this is our last, technically like our last Friday for the year. So we've had, um, yeah, a really long year. We'll save the reflecting for tomorrow. Um, today we are talking about, if you saw on the social medias, hope. So I started uh, wanting to talk about the road to Emmaus. Because the road to Emmaus is really, really uh, interesting interaction if you've read it before. It's just, it's in Luke chapter 24. And it's just like, it's a really interesting story. So the, you have this whole resurrected Jesus where, okay, you have the, he's crucified and was like, dude, I thought this was going to be the guy. Like, I thought he was going to be the one to deliver us, this, that. And then everyone's kind of like destroyed. It's like, damn, I guess that's kind of over. But then you have these weird appearances like, yo, people are saying the tomb's empty. People are saying that they've seen him. What's going on? Um, so I guess we'll pick up the story from there. Um, the main thing that I want to get across is about hope. Hope, hope in Christ. Uh, it's kind of a New Year-ish topic if you want to spin it that way. Um, and the reason for this is because I think we can sometimes underestimate the importance of the hope that we have as Christians. So we have this hope uh, and it's our promise uh, and it should act as some sort of like an uplifting encouragement for us as we run uh, the race of our lives. Okay, So I'll just pray and then we'll get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for being with me as I prepared uh, and helped me to uh, speak words uh, of wisdom that fall on receptive hearts and that we can have fruitful discussions about you uh, and the hope that you've put in our life. In your name, amen. Okay, um, hope, hope can be a powerful thing. This was some of the things that I wrote that I was just having a bit of fun with. If anyone here has watched anime, does anyone watch anime here? Yes, good, we have some anime enjoyers. I see some people cringing, don't worry, I'm not talking about it too much. Uh, in animes, Japanese developers love to portray hope. So it's like a, a really big character trait that you see. And it's what makes humans weak, uh, but it's also what gives them crazy strength in all of the animes. Because they're like, they won't give up, they like have this thing that they're longing for or, see, or striving towards. And there are real life examples of this. Last year in was the last year? No, it was 2021 in February. Uh, we had um, some guest speakers at Uni Melb and they talked to us about uh, some of the hope and how hope played a really big role in uh, World War II in Germany. And there was this Austrian psychologist, I forget his name, uh, who was talking about hope in Auschwitz and how uh, when people lost hope, it completely crushed them. There was nothing for them. Like There was this whole idea or one of the ideas that by Christmas, uh, the camps would be liberated. But um, that didn't happen. And when that didn't happen, heaps of people were devastated and there were like really big consequences for them. Um, so it shows, or it, it, it speaks to more of a thing about hope keeps people going in spite of their circumstances. It's a biblical principle and we see it and we'll explore it today. All right, so enough of me rambling on aimlessly. Let's open Luke. Everybody, let's open Luke chapter 24. I'm going to pick someone to read because I'm already sick of my voice. Um, and what is going on? Luke 24, I talked about it. Resurrected Jesus, there's like some rumors going around. And we pick up on this interesting interaction of, that Jesus has with these two guys when they're walking back home to Emmaus. They've just had their, um, they've been at Tan's house for Passover had really awesome food, and now they're going back to Emmaus. Emmaus. And Jesus kind of like sees them walk in, and he's like, sup guys, 
What are you guys talking about? And then we pick up from there. So, could I get Rana to read from verse 13? Uh, from 13, just the whole bit, from 13 to uh, 35. We're going to read the whole thing. Oh, why? Is that, not, is that too much? Do, should we popcorn it? Let's do you half and Amy can do the other half. I feel like that's more fun. Okay. Um, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew from them and went But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitors to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but, they didn't, but him they did not see. Amen. Uh, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with, who were with him uh, gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the Thank you. What a, what a crazy sort of interaction that you get to uh, get like a really um, first-hand account from Luke running it down. What is going on? Firstly, imagine being in that Bible study. That'd be lit. I feel like walking on the street, having Jesus next to you, like, so Jesus, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? Be a hundred times better than any... Uh, Shady Indy or Dave Masterclass. Um, and then in verse 21 is something that I want to touch on. Very poignant point. Where he says that... But we had hoped that he was going to be the one... Or that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. What is he sort of getting at here? Like, what is his... What are, what's the intention behind the question? What's, what do you think that... Um, where's his mind at? Where's his mind at? I think if, when you begin to understand that the disappointment stems inherently from hope that was not fulfilled in the way that they believed. 
and because he sees this political sort of turnover, uh, like perhaps like a Semitic view of what um, they were hoping for, he's disappointed, and that's fair enough. But Jesus is saying, if we have a look at um, 21, the hope shouldn't have been truly disappointed. Their hope was misguided. Um, we've talked about it before, how Jesus was going to, you know, they think he's going to save real, lift them out of oppression, whatever. Uh, but Jesus would do much more than that, much, much more than that. He would reveal to them the beauty of the resurrection and what it means for the hope that they had. Um, I was going to touch on 31 as well in the breaking of the bread. So they're just walking along. They don't really get it that Jesus is the one that's walking with them. Their eyes are closed. And they sort of get to, um, they're like, oh, Jesus, come and like eat with us. And so he's like, okay. So they come in and he breaks the bread and then their eyes are opened. Um, I think it's truly like a beautiful moment. It's just an ordinary supper of them in this village. Uh, but it was then and then, then and there that they knew that the risen Lord uh, was with them. Okay, cool. Thanks, John. Thanks for reading this story. Um, Jesus pulls like a sneaky one on these travelers to surprise them and say like, hey, actually, I'm not dead, by the way. Um, why do I care? Why do you sitting there care? Why do you even need to listen to this? Uh, sorry for painting your internal monologue really bad. I do realize that I do that sometimes. Anyway, to this I say, mate, this is huge. This is really big uh, for us in human history. Like, you can have life. You can have life. There is hope for us, for broken people like you and I. Do you guys see that in the story? Jesus is your living hope. You see sort of the downcast nature of these people when they're like, it's over. Like Everything that I thought was going to revolutionize my life and take me out of my own guilt and my whole, my whole like, oppression, my own self, I thought like I was going to be saved and that's gone. But it's actually, no, this is all going to be fulfilled in Jesus. This is the living hope that we have. And we celebrate Easter. Uh, we celebrate Easter in which Jesus was crucified instead for our transgressions. But the resurrection is Jesus' ultimate statement. Death has no mastery or no place in his kingdom. And when he conquered death, Jesus brings with him the promise of new life. And so the significance of this, you know, um, maybe you don't have to live, like, broken. Maybe you don't have to live with your own burdens that you've been carrying around. Maybe there is, because I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like this is probably the most, like, the biggest points when I was writing it, that maybe you don't have to kind of just continue on and carry on with your daily grind. Maybe there is a reality beyond what you're doing day to day. Maybe there is like an ultimate purpose and a maker who loves you. Maybe, maybe there is more completely fulfilling life out there. Maybe you don't need to remain defeated, dejected like the disciples on the way to Emmaus. They lost hope, uh, hope that he might be the one who would set them free. So like these disciples, if you choose to see to truly see Jesus for who he is, you should have this hope. You should have this hope. If you call yourself Christian, you should have this hope inside of you in this very moment. And like, okay, what is this hope? Maybe you've heard it in songs before. Maybe they talk about, um, uh, what are some of the lyrics? Um, I have this hope or whatever. And it's from, uh, I have it here from the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The writer describes this hope as an anchor. It's firm. It's secure. It anchors them to the ground. 
or you could say sure, stead, sure and steadfast in another translation. It's, it's this anchor. It's a, it's a very classic picture. It allows the ship to remain anchored. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter about the wind. It doesn't matter about the waves. Irrespective of the circumstances, when you have the anchor in the ground, you're not going anywhere. And that's good if you're a ship. It's very, very good. And so listen to the words here of, of Peter in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 6. Um, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Do you see that in verse 3? And his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's what we're seeing here. This hope is what is anchoring us. This hope is what's anchoring. It's the resurrection. It's the resurrected Jesus. And it keeps us attached to what? Not the ground, but the promise of Jesus. It's through the finished work of Jesus in his death and resurrection. It's directly linked to our own state of being. And I wish I had um, like a better adventure into what we're going to chat about next in Romans chapter 8 where we live looking forward to and in the hope of the inheritance promised to us through Jesus Christ our hearts yearn for this and you can see this in the world you can see it in yourself you can see it in the people around you because you are human and it's the human condition we're broken people and we're we're longing for restoration in everything that we do you can see it Um, And you can feel it. We live our lives empty at times, tired of ourselves, groaning, wanting more, uh, almost like we want release from our earthly bodies. Paul talks about how he's fighting his flesh and uh, his sinful nature. But it's, it's more than that. It's all creation. Right now, the entire creation reflects the curse of sin. We've talked about it. We've explored it. uh, How uh, the curse of sin brought about death and corruption to our own state. All creation groans. That is, like, all of God's creation suffers this common misery where um, it's this state of, like, pain and disorder. And this groaning is intense, as Paul describes. He describes it as the pains of childbirth. Paul hasn't been through that, so I don't know if he can make that claim, but we'll allow it for today. Uh, This state of being is not without the hope of new life. Paul, knowing that hope transforms suffering, uses this metaphor. And as you see with childbirth, there comes the hope of new life. Um, all creation groans as it waits for the promise of final, full and final restoration and redemption. Uh, so we may suffer now, but do not forget that you have this living hope in Christ Jesus that we will one day be restored and join in the riches of his kingdom due to what he's done for us. Okay, cool. There's this hope. Uh, we're looking forward to it. We're anchored to Jesus. Um, and like it's kind of our condition that we're you know, wired to kind of like be wanting to be restored to our, to our like, glory or whatever. Um, what now? Like, John, I'm already a Christian. What are you trying to tell me? Are you trying to convert me? What's the big deal? Uh, I mean, no. And my job here is to say, okay, now that we're on the same page, what is your job? What's your job? You've got this living hope. We just kind of explored it very briefly. What's your job in all of this? Because you can sit there and be like, I'm a Christian, I'm set. And that's cool, and I'm very happy for that. And if you're not, then I 100% would recommend Christianity. It's really cool. 
Um, what does it mean for you? How does this truth, because you should know this truth, that there's a living hope in Jesus and it should affect your life and it should have some sort of semblance for you in the way that you live now. How does this truth impact you and how does it change how you think and how you act? Because it's not enough to just think it and to know it. It's not enough at all. And you see people who radically believe this in the Bible and how it, it really formed their own perspective in life. So let's break it down into practical takeaways. Jesus is what? Jesus is our living hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we don't need to remain broken. Whatever you're experiencing, if you're being shaken, if, if you're being challenged, remember, it's the hope that anchors you to Christ. And Jesus is making all things new. So look ahead. Look ahead to this day with a hope and a determination to share this realization and truth, as did the disciples in Emmaus when their eyes were open. So that's kind of the launching point, and I want us to just tackle two things, okay? So the two things that I want us to really think about, I don't want to have a, a, too much of a shell, I genuinely want people to try and um, think about how revolutionary this sort of thinking is, because even though it is fairly common, Christians speak, I think that there's a lot of value in this, and I think there's a lot of beauty, so do try and explore this. The first thing that I want as like an opener is, is there a place in our lives for hope that is not founded in Christ? I don't know if you've thought about that before. Is there a place in life for hope that is not founded in Christ? And you could probably see examples in your life or in the lives of people around you. And how can your living hope in Christ transform how you go about your day-to-day life? Okay, happy to send them in, but I do want some really uh, engaging discussion with people around you.